0: Hi, guys, Fidel here. We are expanding our platform. Uh, we want to take it to a next level, pro- do some more content, do a little bit more programming, different type of activities. But for that, we need your help. Uh, we will ask you to please donate to our PayPal account. If you go to Black and the Maritimes, you click on the Donate button. And as little as one to five dollars, whatever you can, that would really help us out. Like I said, we're trying to expand this as much as we can, and for that, we need your help. Uh, We're gonna come up with more programming, different shows, uh, different activities, and things like that to promote diversity. So stay tuned for that, and enjoy the show. Four,
1: three, two, one. There you come, bitch.
0: What's up and welcome to another episode of Black in the Maritimes. I'm Fidel and I have a special guest with us. Uh, I met him actually at a at a startup uh, kind of program and he was one of the speakers. Uh, very challenging guy, uh, very creative guy. I think I think he's destined for great things. Alfred Bergeson. Hey, Alfred. Hi, Fidel. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, nice to be
1: on here. I remember hearing about your podcast a couple of years ago and great to see that it's still going strong. Um, but I was asking right before we got started, I was I was asking about this podcast and how many episodes you've done so far and what is your ultimate goal as to why you're doing this?
0: Uh, well, as I was saying, I think at first it started sort of like a podcast, like me trying to vent out what it was to be black in the Maritimes. It still is. uh, But I think also it's sort of like an education platform of saying how black people come in different shades and colors, how we're all different. And basically, it's just a way for us to expand the message, right? Because, I mean, there's still a lot of systemic racism. There's still a lot of things going on. And people go in different approach approaches. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not the guy that's going to be at the march. That's not me. I'm not going to be at the march like screaming rah, rah, rah. That's not, that's not what I'm going to do. What I'm going to do is systematically approach people and systematically educate people and try to bring platform to those voices, right? So right. we can all be amplified, right? So that's, that's pretty much what I try to do. And not just, again, I think one of the things that we try to do on this podcast is we're trying to make sure that we tell all different sides of the stories Mm -hmm. right like for example if it's politics we want to hear all the sides we just want to want to hear like one side because again not all black people like the same not all black people vote the same not all black people do the same thing not all black people listen to the same music like that's not what the black experience is so so basically that's that's what i try to do i try to tell people the stories of Black people in Canada and how it affects like we're we're here just as anybody else, just because of yeah. our color of the skin. That doesn't mean we're not doing like we're, we're as great as the other person. So mm-hmm.
1: I love that. And I think it's so it's so important to like, you know, we're not one. We're not just one group. Right. Like, I think we're we're all different, first of all. And the fact that you're approaching telling these stories from not a singular Point of view, but you're really trying to invite folks who bring different perspectives, and you know when you're discussing an issue, like trying to look at it from different perspectives. I think that's really important, man. Kudos to you for for doing this and for sticking with it for as long as you have.
0: Well, thank you. I I appreciate it, but I mean, again, it's it's just part of the journey, right? We want to get people like you, but. Because it's not the Fidel podcast, it's the Alfred Bergerson episode for this time. So we're going to talk about you now. Uh, okay. So tell us a little bit of how, how, where did you grow up? Uh, how, like, how was your childhood? Like, yeah. how was that?
1: Yeah, let's dive into it. So I was born in Ghana, um, country on the west coast of Africa. And I lived in Ghana until I was six years old. And then my family moved from Ghana to Canada. And so in 2004 we moved to Port Hawkesbury, Nova Scotia.
0: What is Port Hawkesbury, Nova Scotia? Please
1: explain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Port Hawkesbury is, if you're going to Cape Breton, right after you pass the causeway from the mainland, Nova Scotia, to Cape Breton Island, Port Hawkesbury is a little town um, of about 3,000 people, 5,000 people max. Um, so I grew up in a rural Town in Nova Scotia for about ten years, so between when I was six years old to when I was uh, to when I was about sixteen, lived in Port Hawkesbury and then moved to uh, Halifax uh, later on for high school. So yeah, that that's a little bit about sort of where I grew up. Now I think you know, immigrant family came here and. My parents let us know from the jump. You know, this is not this is not a vacation. We're not here to mess around. You know, like they sacrificed a lot to make the move. And so, you know, I have two other siblings, a brother and a sister. Um, yeah, man, we grew up we grew up in Port Hawkesbury. My brother went off to play basketball at Queen's University. My sister went off to do a master's program in France. Um, and then later on, I came up to Halifax to to pursue basketball. Basketball was, was my thing as a, as a kid. Uh, I'm sure. Oh, wow. was, yeah. So basketball was my, was my thing. My brother played at Queens university. And so I, I was looking up to him and I wanted to pursue basketball as well. So uh, came, I came decided, you know, Halifax is probably the best place to, to get um, great competition. And so I, I came up here had a great program at the Halifax grammar school. Incredible coach, Tim McGarigal, former AUS champion. Uh, He was coaching at the grammar school. And so I said, listen, I want to I want to play for the best. Um, And so as a a basketball coach, he was incredible, but also as a as a human and as as a as a as a personal individual life coach. He's also uh, incredible for that and has played a huge role, huge role in my life.
0: Oh, wow. That, that's amazing. I mean, that's, uh, I mean, a lot of people don't actually see the value of coaches and mentors. Uh, mm-hmm. l- a lot of people don't know that that's actually like a boost to your life. That's like a, like if you give a, that's like an energy drink or or like, like just boost you up because you see things from another perspective. So that that's pretty cool that you find mentors and coaches early in life. So now, as you said, I've done this before uh, this podcast many, many times when somebody tells me, Immigrant small town is like you are the only black kids there. <laughs> that's usually how it how it rolls. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, there's maybe two more, but that's it. Literally,
1: so. literally, Fidel. Like, lit- when we got to Port Hawkesbury, there was one other black family at the time in the town. Um, and so yeah, you're right. Like it was there wasn't a lot of us. There was not a lot of us. <laughs> no,
0: it's like, oh, like, all right, so you, like. And again, the good thing is that you did. We're gonna to go to a high school in Halifax. Because so Halifax is a bigger place. It's a, it's one has more of a diversity than perhaps Prince Nova Scotia. But uh, how was that being the, like two black kids in a school? <laughs> uh, how was that?
1: Well, you know, it wasn't easy. It was not easy. Um, I think. So I was I was six years old. Like I said, my brother was a little bit older. He would have been, I think, 13. Um, my sister would have been like 10, nine or 10. And so I feel like for me, I was perhaps easier to adapt to the environment because I was so young. Um, now, I still had issues with other kids in my class growing up for sure, but I think my brother and sister perhaps had a greater difficulty in adjusting to being in such a new environment, my parents as well, you know, both of them. So this is another thing about the immigrant story. I don't, I don't think we talk talked about it enough is my parents are both professionals in Ghana. My dad was a chief engineer. worked globally on different vessels. Uh, my mom worked with the government at the time as an accountant. And when they both moved, when we came here, they had to start all over again. Their credentials did not matter right? So, it was a struggle. It was a struggle early on. Like, we, you know, in Ghana, we lived a pretty decent, good life. Um, And, you know, mind you, my parents, the goal for moving to Canada was a better quality of life and a better education for their children. Um, But, you know, I think we started from the bottom when we came here. Uh, My parents had to go back to school. Um, They were very qualified, but their credentials just simply were not recognized. So, um, it was kind of like starting from scratch and it, it was tough. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy at all. School kids will make fun of you. People would, you know, would be racist. You know, th- there were, there were people that looked out for you and like took care of you. Yes. But there was also a lot of folks who would just stare at you because they ain't never seen a black person in their town before. So there was a lot of that.
0: Yeah. And and that's, that's, you know, if you go anywhere in Canada, that is pretty much the black experience on the small town and the the there's a good thing and a bad thing for that i think the good thing is that it makes you stronger it makes you tougher and it makes you understand how the system works at early like like a lot of people that uh especially our white counterparts they don't understand how the system is different because it doesn't affect them but when you are little, you're like, okay, this is, uh, something's not right here. <laughs> something's mm-hmm. not clicking here. Like it's, 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 it's something. So, so that's the thing. And the other thing that I, I wanted to point out is that, you know, a lot of people here, especially when it comes to immigrant parents, and that's the thing of the black experience, like a black person that grew up in Canada that has six, seven generations in Canada, uh, has never seen, the third world country or poor country uh like narrative and mm. you know we all come around because we're black we, we get people to say but when you when you come from an immigrant parents, they're like education is first yeah. uh you know the you work like this there's, there's no sitting down like it's like no, <laughs> no 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 nobody's sitting down here and doing like we're working like we, yeah. we want to because they understand like in places that are poorer than Canada, United States, or, or places in Europe, even if you work and have a good position, that doesn't mean you're out of poverty. Yeah. Like, like you could be doctor, dentist, like you could be whatever. That doesn't mean you're 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 you may be lower middle class or maybe yeah. lower class. It doesn't mean you're out of poverty compared to here. That if you have a degree, you're you you have a better standing of going to yeah. to the Upper or middle class. And I, I think yeah. the immigrant the immigrant parents understand that very, yeah. very well. So yeah, exactly. So, Fidel, Fidel, where did you grow up?
1: I don't I don't know much about you. Where did you grow up? I wanna
0: well, know. I I grew up in the Dominican Republic. Okay. I'm originally from there. Okay. Uh so I grew up there, uh born and raised. And yeah, I came to Canada because I got married, two kids and a divorce later. I'm still here. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's that's the shirt it out. So yeah, I, I've been uh I've been here for uh close to twelve twelve years, twelve years, 12 years to be to be honest with you. So and then going in back Brun- to in New Brunswick, yeah, I haven't moved. I mean, I, I at first I kind of wanted to, but now I can I got kids. I can Where, I new, can where in New Brunswick? Where in New Brunswick are Moncton. You? Okay, I'm in Moncton. Okay, I'm in I, I'm in Moncton. So that's that's the. It's a nice place here. I I, I kind of love it now. Now that I grew up, I kind of grew. It grew on me. So good, good. So let's go back to you. You go to Halifax. You go to high school. You go from the small town to the big city. Yeah. Like technically, to the big city, you go play basketball. You find mentors. So this is a different life. This is like a different. It's a different lifestyle at this point. It's like, whoa, like you can go places. So walk us to that. Like you, if you, you, you start playing basketball and do you have like a, a notion? Because again, now you're an entrepreneur, uh, you're you got in this team, which we're gonna go we're gonna go a little bit on that. Uh, did you ever have that sense that you wanted to do that? Or is it was like I want to become a professional basketball player or an engineer and work and that's it.
1: Yeah. So yeah, growing up, my dream was definitely NBA. My dream was, you know, I want to play prof- basketball professionally. Um, I want to be LeBron James. And you know, at one point in high school, I was I was ranked top fifty in Canada. Um, but what really changed for me was in grade eleven, I joined an after school program called Junior Achievement, and Junior Achievement is a not for profit association and you know essentially what they do is they design and deliver entrepreneurship programming for kids in junior high high school and so after school I was invited to join this this club essentially called Junior Achievement and in Junior Achievement you get you come together with your peers your other your friends your you know other students in in high school and you start to build a company together you talk about what problems you want to solve and then you you build a company it's called the company program and so in grade 11 was when I think before grade 11 I definitely had some entrepreneurial tendencies um but junior achievement put me in the environment where it was like yeah we're here to be entrepreneurial and you're going to learn how to be uh how to run a business essentially and so that was a pivotal moment for me because, you know, I'm in a room with my peers and they're all looking at me as if I'm the CEO. (laughs) Meanwhile, I haven't said a word, you know what I mean? It's like, they're looking at me for, for leadership, for guidance, for ideas, for, you know, uh, direction. And so I, you know, I knew at a young age, I knew, I knew in grade 11 that, you know, I have the ability to lead others. I have the ability to, distill I you know take problems and turn them into solutions and distill them into ways that are um, that people can actually absorb and so yeah you know grade 11 was when I got that uh, opportunity um, and it opened my eyes to a, a whole new world really like I was I was all about it I was all about it and I remember I would spend time with my with my peers in the program after school. And then I would go home and I would look up, you know, entrepreneur, social entrepreneurship, and I would be learning, I'd be reading from places like the Stanford, uh, Stanford review. And like, they had like a social innovation review. And I just remember diving deep into case studies about how entrepreneurs are, are creating benefit for not just themselves, but for community. And so from a very long, from a very young age, I was, I was reading about these things and I was very interested. I was very interested in uh, in learning about how to be a social entrepreneur, how to be a social innovator. Um, and yeah, man, like that's that's kind of where it all started for me. It was high school.
0: Oh, wow. That, that's pretty cool. So uh, we're going to go with the definition of social entrepreneurship because uh, like you, I, I, I've been in the startup world for quite a bit. And a lot of people don't like social entrepreneurship sometimes can be misinterpret but we'll go that and that but I, I, like my I have a uh, a little bit of a question here when did you realize that basketball was over and entrepreneurship was the thing mm, good
1: question um so I, I continued to play basketball throughout the rest of my high school I I was like I said I was you know ranked top 50 in Canada I was getting recruited by you know McGill U of T Queens um a couple of small colleges in the states um I decided to stay in Halifax so I went to St. Mary's I committed to St. Mary's to play basketball and I stayed I stayed here in Halifax and it was cool you know I I, after my first year though I was like I'm done after my first year I I knew that I wanted a change and honestly like I was itching to Start a business. I was itching to get in the business community in Halifax. I was itching to like be in that environment where I'm running a business with my peers and where, you know, ideas are the fuel. Um, I I was I was really itching to get back to that environment. So after my first year playing basketball at St. Mary's, I actually quit and then I started my first, my first, uh, my first business. And what was the first business? First business was under the bridge digital media. So it was a digital media company. Um, And essentially, you know, I had a bunch of friends that were good videographers, photographers, graphic designers, um, event coordinators, um, really good at e-commerce. And so this was back in like 2015, 2016. And I would walk store to store in Halifax and I would show I would show business owners uh, Instagram or Facebook. I would say, do you know you can sell your product on here to the world? You can market your product or your your business to the world from from this platform. And a lot of them would, you know, warm up to the idea of of doing it. And so then I would say, well, I can have a team of young people that are are creatives and we can help you, Um, whether it's capturing the content and then putting it out there. So so under the bridge digital media was kind of my my first start and yeah man it was it was a fun ride it was working with my friends um and just yeah it was it was a lot of fun I remember I remember working with my friends on on different projects in Halifax and you know some actually we, we did a couple in New Brunswick as well and um you know they benefited because none of them were getting opportunities that you know we're all in our early twenties, um, you know, none of them were getting opportunities to get paid gigs in photography, videography. So I, I was really the, the salesman, I guess. The business, I would, I would find the deal, I would find the client, I would find a customer, and then I would bring together my peers, and together we would essentially craft um, a campaign for the client.
0: Oh wow! So what do you think? Was the uh, I mean I'm assuming because you're doing tribe we're gonna we're gonna go to tribe and like that that business is no longer uh, functioning. What was the like? Can you tell us about what was the demise of the business? Because a lot of the businesses like, uh, and I'm gonna we're gonna go to entrepreneurship in a bit. A lot of entrepreneurship feel is it's glamorized sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but there's a grind and a hustle and and there's yeah. an ups and downs so what 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 was the hardest part of this business and, and what came to kind of end end the business
1: yeah honestly i think the hardest part of the business at the time i would say is just it was my first business ever so you know i was not organized <laughs> i didn't
0: know what i was
1: doing. i didn't i didn't know what i was doing you know what i mean i was just trying to make something happen i was trying to make something happen um but I wouldn't say there was a there was a demise. I like it, it ended well. it wasn't there was no tension. I think you know I ran the business for about two years, a year and a half. Uh, you know we ended up working with NBA so NBA Canada had a project where they were building basketball courts in across Canada. and when they came out to the East Coast they hired uh, me and my team to capture the content for, some of this community, this community work they were doing. So that was a huge, you know, op- success. Um, and we had, you know, more stories like that where we would, we were covering, you know, the basketball championships in Halifax, doing all of their social media, doing all their, you know, weekly highlights, doing the actual championship photography um, and videography. Like it was, it was a good time, man. Like we had a lot of fun. Um, what, what had happened was I had another opportunity. Um, an opportunity came up for me to work with the Assembly of First Nations. And, you know, I wanted to try something new. I wanted to learn about that, you know, that culture and those people. And I wanted to, you know, I was curious, I was curious about what was on the other side of that opportunity. And so I decided to park, you know, under the bridge digital media for a while. And uh, I went off to, you know, work as a special assistant, essentially, to uh, to some indigenous chiefs.
0: Oh, that's amazing, man! That that's pretty cool. And and you know, I, I think that's one of the things that in entrepreneurship it happens that you might go one way, but that path will lead you to another path. Yeah, and that's the and that's why you're going around it, which is which is a great thing that you were working with indigenous people. So that's one thing about you that how i met you i met you in an environment that i thought i would never see in atlantic canada i met you in a totally black environment like it was like we met on a startup program uh you were one of the speakers and there was a whole like there was black people there like i'd never seen black people in startups like like i was like whoa this is this is this is kind of cool uh like I i never seen it here. In fact, I've been to startups in, in Silicon Valley and And I, you may see one or two black people, but you never see a whole bunch of, of right. things. So talk to me about Tribe, and Tribe is part of that. Like Tribe is is kind of part of, of that. So talk to me about the initiation of the idea and, and how how that, that came up about.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I mentioned earlier about <clears throat> running under the bridge digital media. And, you know, I think early on, and yeah, I guess, you know, one of the reasons why I did decide to pursue that opportunity with the AFN was, um, as a new entrepreneur in Halifax, as a Black entrepreneur, I would walk into innovation hubs and spaces, and I would, I would try to get support to actually get organized on my business. And I didn't find that a lot of those spaces were, uh, like, like you said, like there weren't, was not representation in those spaces I was walking into and they didn't know how to help me and they didn't really care, honestly, you know what I mean? Um, and so, yeah, I think that's, that's one of the things I, I experienced early on in my first business was like, okay, there's an ecosystem here that's supposed to help me, but like, it's not actually helping me. Um, and so fast forward to why I started a tribe. I, I had that experience with my first business. I had some time working with the assembly of first nations and, you know, some indigenous communities. And, you know, during COVID, I had a conversation with my sister and we we're talking about like, how do we, you know, in a time of, you know, disease, in a time of black lives matter, uh, you know, the economy was struggling, businesses were struggling, uh, people were struggling, and I had a conversation with my sister around, like, how do we support Black, Indigenous, people of color that are in entrepreneurship, that have a business, and, you know, I think we were coming at it from different sides, but we kind of met in the middle, Um, and the side that my sister was coming from was well, Alfred, how do we give them a platform to sell their products or their services? Was the side that she was coming at, and the side that I was coming at was, how do we build, like, a community? How do we build a virtual community where BIPOC entrepreneurs can support each other and can learn from each other and can partner with each other? Um, and so early on, we kind of had this general conversation going, and. It was one that you know I I knew that one day I would I would pursue it um, I wanted to pursue it um, and so you know that was summer of 2020 um, and you know the initial idea was let's start a not for profit and let's let's do this through a not for profit and you know fast forward a few a few weeks I get a call from uh, a senator Senator Colin Deacon um, a Nova Scotian senator out here in Atlanta Canada he's a serial entrepreneur uh you know he's done many businesses he's exited he's raised you know financing for businesses and Colin Senator Deacon said to me you know I didn't know and so this was in the in the in the midst of Black Lives Matter what was what was happening in you know the the media and he said you know I didn't know and uh, I've been talking to my colleagues in the Senate, and we want to shine a light on the barriers and opportunities for Black entrepreneurs. Uh, will you join us in conducting some research and, uh, you know, formulating some uh, recommendations? And I said, of course, like I, I will. I'm down. You know, I'm down to do that. And so, join the Senate. And I worked with the Senate for about six months. And, you know, through that time, uh, the government announced, you know, almost $500 million in supports for Black entrepreneurs in Canada. Um, You know, I was talking to various different organizations across the country uh, that, you know, are, are supporting Black entrepreneurs. I was talking directly to Black entrepreneurs. And I started to notice, I started to see more gaps you know what i mean like quite frankly i just start to see more gaps in the ecosystem and and so you know we do the research we have the findings i learned a lot i connected with a lot of people my contract is over with the senate and now it's like okay what am i going to do and am i going to find another job or am i going to you know pursue this idea that I know is so important and and much needed. And so after my time with the Senate, I decided to launch Tribe Network um, as a BIPOC entrepreneurship and innovation hub in Canada. Um, And so it's a, a, you know, consider it a a two-sided marketplace or a two-sided network where we have individuals, BIPOC individuals that, you know, join the network to get access to our program. So, you know, you know, essentially talent development programs um, in entrepreneurship and innovation. Uh, They get when they join our network, they can sign up online at tribe network.ca. They get access to the programs that we're running events that we host for the network um, opportunities in our portal. Uh, They get to connect with other black entrepreneurs, indigenous entrepreneurs on the platform. And then on the other side of the network is organizations And so these innovation hubs that have neglected uh, underrepresented communities for so long, you know, they are all of a sudden, they wanna connect with underrepresented communities. They wanna support underrepresented communities by hiring people, by creating programs and resources for for us. And so Tribe is literally a hub that is bringing both of these groups together. and, you know, as an organization, we have a role to, yes, convene and to host programs and to, you know, support entrepreneurs. Um, but the beauty of it is it's not just us. These innovation hubs can be present. And we're, you know, we're, we're, we're creating a bridge for uh, BIPOC folks and the ecosystem to truly come together. So that's, that's what we're trying to build. A tribe network uh we've only been around for a year now uh but the momentum has been has been really incredible man like we you know we've we've got our platform launched so if you're if you're hearing this and you want to learn more about us tribe network.ca is where you can go to sign up sign in connect with other folks um and then we've got a few entrepreneurship programs that we we're we're launching so uh, one in Nova Scotia, specifically for BIPOC entrepreneurs, and then we just launched something called the Black Startup Project. And so, Fidel, going back to your your you know this notion of like, oh, they're black they're black people and start doing startups in this region, like and and to create a space where we can come together and learn with each other and learn from each other. Um, the Black Startup Project is is a new program funded by the federal government to support black entrepreneurs start build and accelerate their businesses. And so uh, black folks in Atlantic Canada can, can apply, can register, get access to business supports and some capital, um, access to innovation hubs, so co-working space across the Atlantic region. Um, and, and then yeah, you know the, I think the, the probably the most valuable thing is just being able to connect with other black entrepreneurs in the region um and right now we got over 200 black entrepreneurs registered so we're we're feeling pretty pretty happy about the uh the interest level so far and and yeah we're we're right now we're visiting different regions in Atlantic Canada meeting together with black entrepreneurs just connecting with people you know introducing our team uh, uh to folks and creating the space where black folks can can engage with each other can inform our program um, eat some good food and have a good time. Uh, so yeah, yeah that, that's
0: uh, where we, that's where we are right now as an organization and, and some of where we're, we're focused. That sounds amazing. I mean, the, you guys did the first one in New Brunswick and and that was pretty cool. And then now you're going to PI with the black startup, uh, initiative, which is great. Now I, I want to ask you something, because you said earlier about social entrepreneurship, uh, and, to people that don't know social entrepreneurship uh they that's not necessarily charity work it's entrepreneurship but with a with a social change is make pretty much that change that we have to make uh now when it comes to social entrepreneurship do you think as you're doing it right now uh do you think it's something that more black uh because we have a we don't we don't have a fair game it's just legally that we just don't have it uh do you think social entrepreneurship is more needed in the black community in order to provide that change that, that is so needed?
1: Um, It's a good question. I don't think, I wouldn't say just a black community. I think I, first of all, I think, uh, I think we're put it this way. The world is living in a mess and I can tell you for sure Black people are not the ones that put us in this mess. <laughs> That's for sure. That is for sure. That's so, a fact. <laughs> so, let's, so let's let's acknowledge that. Um, I think we all know, if you're listening to the, this podcast, I hope you know that for the past centuries, there have been injustices that um, have essentially led us to where we are today. And, um, and so, yeah, just want to put that front and center and then but I think with where we are now like obviously there's a reckoning happening with our financial systems and it's you know we're going through a major paradigm shift right now when you think about what's emerging in cryptocurrency web3 all that stuff um you know climate wise and environment wise where we know we're headed towards a disaster um so I think it's not just black folks who can engage in social enterprise. I think we should all be engaging in social enterprise. Number one, um, I do think you know the indigenous communities, um, and and yeah, I would yeah in black communities too. Like you know when they start businesses, there, there there is a lot of social benefit and cultural benefit that that is added to society. Um, but I, I would say we should be encouraging social enterprises uh everywhere and you know for anyone who wants to uh pursue entrepreneurship and i also think we need to start a whole lot earlier is educating young people in middle school in junior high in high school about social enterprise and and about you know you know that is a viable career option um so i'm i'm a big fan of social enterprise tribes of social enterprise. Um, for our programs we're going to encourage people to pursue social enterprise but we're also going to encourage people to pursue um, high growth industries Fidel you know like we where are we when it comes to um, you know health sciences or technology or agriculture or supply chain like where are we you know what I mean like name one name one top Hundred business in that in any of those industries that is led
0: by a black person or black you know the funny thing the funny thing about that is that like we're there we're just not in the because because of like because of what you said like we're so underrepresented that we're there but because we are not billion dollar companies or 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 like startup we 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 get basic shadow and the the reason why why i ask you is because i remember I have talked to three major famous investment people that happen to be black. Okay. And the three persons have told me the same thing. And this is, this is millionaires, famous people. They told me like, Oh, every time I want to get a tech deal, they come If it's not a music deal, they don't want to deal with me. Right. Like the, and like he had to kind of fight for that. And I'm like, you had to fight for that. Like, that's you, like you're famous. And there was another guy that said, Oh, if it wasn't a clothing deal or, uh, I only got pitched clothing deals. That's right. it. Nobody wanted, if I wanted to do tech or if I wanted to do, you know, agriculture or something, uh, nobody wanted to, nobody wanted to do with me. And the other one is like, Oh, if it wasn't a sports deal, nobody wanted to deal with me. And right. I was like, these are black people that are really high profile. <laughs> like hmm. this is like, and, and even they got some, some type of, uh, some type of issues. And, and I think, uh, What what saying collaborating with what you're saying is that we are not. It's not that we're not there. It's just that some there's two things. One, they don't want us sometimes there, and the other one, they want us to get pigeonholed.
1: Yeah, and there's an imbalance of power. I think power imbalance of power and is is probably the 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 primary issue, and um, yeah, it just leads to inequities and inequities in how you know things are designed um inequities in who benefits the most from you know said businesses or said initiatives so so yeah man like you know tribe and and the black center project we're trying to encourage more black folks to pursue entrepreneurship we're you know we're we're not going to force anyone to do a certain type of entrepreneurship but we're going to encourage people to pursue you know opportunities that that we see black people need to be there so we're excited man uh and thank you so much for inviting me to share a bit more about myself and also this you know what we're trying to build a tribe
0: yeah yeah i know and i know you have to go so i i have i had two questions but i'm gonna give you one more question uh just to let you know uh, what does it feel for you to be black in the Maritimes?
1: Ah,
0: what does it feel?
1: Hmm. Um, I think if you would have asked me this question, you know, 10 years ago, I would probably say something along the lines of it's incredibly lonely and when I'm done high school I'm gonna to try to get out of here <laughs> or when i'm done, or when I'm done university I'm gonna to try to get out of here, but I think our society is changing um I think I'm realizing the amount of um, the amount of change that is that is re- the, the amount of change that is required and i do feel like we as black people have so much to offer the maritime region and we are doing it and people are starting to wake up people are starting to value it but we're not where we need to be yet and so i'm very excited about the future of the maritimes because i feel like there's a real opportunity to actually change the society we live in and to create more opportunities for Black people here. Um, I do think we're we're on the, we're on the precipice of something special in the region where Black folks, Indigenous folks, can can be leaders, and you know we'll be creating we'll be creating tables for for people to come to sit at and i think that's the shift that's happening is we're not we don't have to always go to their their table i think we're now starting to create our own tables and we're able to invite people to come sit at our, our tables to learn about where we're going and how we're going to get there and you know we'll get their feedback on on if and how they can contribute to that um, but I do think that the tide is turning and as black people in the Maritimes, we, we have an incredible opportunity to make this place better. And, and it's a good time to be
0: here to, to contribute to that change. And man, you're doing, you're doing the work. You're, you're definitely doing the work and, and it's, it's exciting to see. I'm excited to see where's this going. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm happy to see people like you, uh, like, trying to do this and there should be way more people like you and i think there is there, there, there isn't there's going to be well well we got, about,
1: we got about 200 of them signed up for the black star project so you know what i mean they're coming <laughs> that's
0: right they're coming yeah they're coming that's good so uh please guys check out tribe.ca uh i mean if people want to find
1: tribe 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 network.ca um you can follow me on social media instagram find me on linkedin alfred bergeson um reach out if you have any questions or ideas or if you want to sign up for a program and you have some questions reach out to
0: me and we can find some time to, to share more with you yeah, that, that, that's amazing. So, guys, uh, Alfred Bergeson, it, it, I mean, we could talk for hours. I know. Uh, I know you have a limited amount of time, and, and I, I, I got to thank you for, for setting this up. I, I think it was a very interesting conversation. Uh, so, guys, if you want to check more of this, just go to our website, blackandthemaritimes.com, Subscribe to Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Uh, donate on PayPal, or you can also follow us on social media, Black in the Maritimes. Peace out. Thank you.